0: Hey, can we give our team a hand here this morning? They did such a fantastic job leading us. Man, I love it when we get to slow down and get those times where we can connect. Welcome, everybody. My name is Dan. I'm the pastor here in United, and I am just so glad that everyone decided to join us here today. And we're going to kick things off by starting off talking about superheroes, right? Superheroes. How many here like superheroes? Superheroes. Man, I love superheroes. Even from the time I was a kid, I've always been like a huge Marvel fan. I love that. So whenever they started coming out in movie form, my mind was blown. Here's this stuff that used to exist in comic books and in cartoons, and now there it is, and that's a real person, and he's doing these things, and it's so incredible, right? I think we've gotten this, this huge like, interest in superheroes and all of that stuff. I actually did a little bit of research, and do you know we have not had a year since 2002 where a big-budget superhero movie hasn't been released? Since 2002, every year there's been at least one big-budget superhero movie that's come out. That's kind of crazy. That says a lot about the things that we get interested in. And I think some of it's because so many of us love the action and we love all the stuff that goes on. But even more so, we can envision ourselves being that hero, right? When you're a kid, you pretend to be the hero. And even as an adult, there's moments where you're like, ah, oh, that'd be so cool, I could do that. My daughters are like the masters at this. It doesn't matter what it is that we're watching, they are able to, like. in fact, at the beginning of the movie, they divvy out who's who in the movie. So like, we're watching this entire movie, and the whole time, they're like cheering when their avatar does something, or they're congratulating each other, like, good job, I'm glad you did that. And they get nervous when they're, like, in danger. It's so funny, and and I wonder if we don't need to check in on something there to make sure we're okay. But we can all do that sometimes, right? We can envision ourselves as the hero. Nobody runs around trying to be the sidekick, right? Nobody chooses Robin over Batman. Nobody chooses Bucky over Captain America. Everybody wants to be that hero. But here's the truth. We are not the hero of our own story. We are not the hero of our own story. No matter how much we may want to be, we're not the hero of our own story. Well, we are in this series called Heart of the Matter, and Heart of the Matter is basically our um, chance to slow down a little bit and to look at some things that are crucial to having a relationship with Jesus, that are at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. And so last week, we started this thing off by talking about how oftentimes if we have a relationship with Jesus and we've been walking with Jesus for some time, sometimes we seem to think that that means that we're close with Jesus. We assume that we're close with Him, and so we keep doing life and we keep walking through and just assume that because we started that relationship, everything's still good. And we sometimes then are just going through the motions and we're missing out on what Jesus really has for our lives because we've we've fallen into this trap of thinking that the different things that we do, if we do enough of the right thing, it makes us okay, instead of focusing on having a relationship with Jesus in the first place. Well, this week, we're going to be asking the question, who is the hero of your story? Who is the hero of your story? That's perfect. Thank you. That is exactly it, because here's the thing. That's the Sunday school answer, right? I think most of us could answer that question. Most of us could go, just like we would in Sunday school, the answer is always Jesus, right? (laughs) Jesus is the hero of our story. We know that that's the right answer, but do we believe that that's the right answer? Those are two different things. See, we can know something, but when we believe something, when we believe something, it actually impacts the way in which we live our lives. And for us to be able to answer this question to see whether we truly believe, I think we need to look at some things that happen in our lives, in our day-to-day lives. What consumes your thoughts in your day-to-day life? What takes up your time in your day-to-day life? What consumes your motivation in your day-to-day life? Because whatever you answer in those questions is most likely what is really the hero of your life. And the hero of our lives, more times than not, tend to be ourselves. We tend to think that we are the hero of our own story. And I think innately that's something that is common for all of us. I think all of us at our base level want Jesus to be the hero. We want Jesus to be the one who comes in and saves a day for us. But too often, we allow ourselves to take that place. And so our thoughts and views of ourselves tend to make us the hero more so than Jesus. Think about it this way, when you're telling a story of yourself and you're dealing with some sort of conflict with another person, whether it's someone you ran into, a cashier, or some other like tension point that you had, who's the bad guy in that story? Yeah, exactly, it's usually not you. Think about it this way, when you get pulled over for speeding, who's the bad guy in that story? It's not you, it's, the, it's that bad cop who set up the speed trap, right? Wow, how dare you catch me for breaking the law? <laughs> we like to make ourselves the hero. When you start looking at the stories of Jesus in the Bible, right? This is the one that like, blows my mind, because I do it too. When we look at the stories of Jesus in the Bible, we see Jesus interacting with the money changers, right? He's flipping over tables, and he's condemning them for their practices. We see Jesus talking to the rich man and telling the rich man, hey, this is what you have to do And the rich man turns away and walks off. We see Jesus talking to the Pharisees, calling them a brood of vipers, calling them out for all of the things that they do, the motions that they go through, all of this stuff. We see Jesus show grace to the prostitute who's about to be killed for the way she lives her life. Who are we in that story? In our own heads, we think we're Jesus. Every time. Every time we see these stories and we put ourselves in the shoes of the person who's right. When more often than not, we're the money changers, we're the rich man, we're the Pharisees, we're the prostitute. See, too often, we're the hero in our own story. Really, what we're talking about today is a lesson that our parents try to teach us, right? The world does not revolve around you. Some of you might be feeling a little bit of tension here. It's like that tweet that went viral earlier this year. Just found out the world doesn't revolve around me. Shocked and upset. Some of us feel that way when we start to realize this reality. Think about some of the small ways in which we interact with the world around us too, right? Something like, say, the way we use our cameras. We used to point the camera this way. Now the camera goes like this. And we point it back at ourselves. I was thinking about this this week, and if I were to go back and look at the photo albums of my parents, and I look at all these things, what I'm going to see in those photo albums Are different amazing kind of events and memories. I'll see these friends and family members. I'll see like locations. I'll see all of this really cool stuff. But you know what I don't see? I don't see my mom. Because my mom was always behind the camera. She was the one taking the picture. She was the one trying to capture something that wasn't just her. It was something outside of it. Now, something happened when we took that camera and we turned it around. We started pointing it at ourselves. And, you know, I don't think this is a new issue. I don't think that we created selfishness. I don't think that we created this thinking. But I think what happened is we just exacerbated an issue that was already within us. We're feeding this ego thing, right? We're just taking pictures of ourselves. That's what social media is too, right? It's all about posting about us. It's very, very me-focused. It's like, hey, here's what I had for breakfast this morning. Click and post that online. It's tons of selfies. It's tons of, like... And, and the crazy thing about it is, we're throwing all this stuff at strangers. We're like, hey, like me. And we're throwing all of this out here. We're trying to make ourselves the hero of our own story. So how do you think this plays out then in our, in our day-to-day lives? I think, I think really it happens in a very subtle way. In fact, I think it's this undercurrent that exists across so many different circles of our lives. When you're a parent, why do you parent the way you do? Do you parent because you want to see your kid raised up to be somebody that can stand on their own, someone who loves God, somebody who walks out their life with maturity and can handle themselves, or do you parent so that you look like a good parent? When you go to work, do you work to do the best that you can and to try and be honoring to God in everything you do, or do you work in order to look like a good worker? See, I think so many times the things that we do happen in such an undercurrent because we're trying to make ourselves the hero of the story. But Jesus is the hero of your story. Jesus is the hero of your story. So the question we have to ask this morning is, how can we make him the hero of our own stories? How can we minimize ourselves? How, we, how can we push against this thing that is innate within us and allow Jesus to be the star instead of ourselves? Today we're going to be looking at somebody who does this amazingly. This is a guy who had so much popularity in his time. There were people coming to him, and he was able and willing to always point back to Jesus instead of himself. Today we're talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a little bit of a strange dude, even for that time period. He, he lived under what was known as a um, Nazarite vow. And a Nazarite vow was basically, your entire life was completely dedicated to God, and the way in which you showed this was you didn't cut your hair or your beard. I think they were allowed to cut their hair like once a year just so that they could still see. Um, But he would have looked pretty wild, right? Didn't cut his hair. He didn't walk through that. He wasn't allowed to have any sort of alcohol, go through anything along those lines. But his life was completely dedicated to God. He would have looked pretty wild. And to make things worse, he decided to just wear a hair shirt all the time. So that probably helped his whole wild persona. And then he lived in the wilderness, So he lived out where nobody lived. He's out in the boonies. He's doing this thing. He's only eating honey. That's the only thing he had. And then this crazy looking dude would come in, and somehow he still grew a following. Mind you, this isn't a social media following. This isn't a group of people that just checks in every once in a while to see what you're up to. This following were people whose lives were being transformed, legitimately changed, because he was preaching a message to people, telling them that they needed to repent and that they needed to return to God. The whole story was about that. And the whole story then was, as you return to God, eventually the Savior will come. And he's going to take care of all of this. He marked all of this then by performing baptisms. Thus the name John the Baptist. Right? So he's baptizing people. He's having people repent. Lives are being transformed. And hundreds of people are coming to hear this message, are receiving this message, and their lives are being changed. This guy had no standing in Jewish or political structures in the time. He would have had no authority from their standpoint. But the message that he was preaching had all the authority. And the message was all about the coming of the Messiah. The coming of Jesus. He pointed every single person that he came in contact with, with to Jesus. Today we're going to be looking at John 1. We're going to be looking at this piece of the story with John the Baptist. So. You've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John 1. We're going to start here at verse 19. It says, And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And then they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, No. See, When he has asked these questions, he is basically given this opportunity to take some credit, right? He's given this opportunity to be the one who's important. When they ask him, who are you? His first answer is, I'm not the guy I've been talking about. I am not the Messiah. I am not the Christ. And then when when he establishes that, they ask, are you Elijah? See, Elijah was supposed to be returning. Malachi said that Elijah was going to return. And honestly, John the Baptist kind of looked like him. Elijah lived out in the wilderness, he didn't cut his hair, he wore a hair shirt, he ate honey. It was all very similar, and the message was very similar too. Repent and return to God. So everyone's like, well, this guy must be the return of Elijah then. And he goes, I'm not. They said, well, maybe you're that prophet then. See, they expected this prophet to come. Deuteronomy 18.15 says that there's going to be this prophet who comes, and they assume that this prophet is someone different from the Messiah. Incorrectly. Because Jesus is actually the prophet they're speaking of. And John's answer to them is just simple and short, no. Notice his answers get shorter the more they ask questions. John did not exist to talk about himself. John exists to talk about Jesus. And so the more they press him, the less he wants to talk about himself. Verse 22, so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who, do, who you do not know. Even he comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. So he continues this story, even under scrutiny. He continues to tell these people sent by the Pharisees that it's not about me, it's about this guy who comes after me, it's about the Messiah. It's about Jesus, even though he doesn't know his name yet. In verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. When John realizes who this is, he begins to proclaim who he is. He begins to get excited. You can see in this text the way he starts talking, starts to ramp up a bit. He goes from the Messiah is coming to this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. What you need to understand is proclaiming somebody to be the Son of God at this point in time was a death penalty. You could not attribute being God to a person. If you did that and the wrong person heard, they were probably going to have you killed. And here's John proclaiming this. Right in the open, this guy is the son of God. In verse 35, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this. And they followed Jesus. And they followed Jesus. That is crazy. Because you think about this. John has been gathering this following. There's hundreds of people following him around. And if John's message was off point, if John's message was about repent, follow God, and then follow me, those disciples probably wouldn't have immediately turned and started following Jesus. In fact, they would have at least hesitated for a moment. But John's message is so consistent that he continually points to Jesus. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, the first thing that these disciples do is stop following John and start following Jesus. Jesus was the hero of John's story. It wasn't John. An interesting side note there, if you read through the rest of this section, one of those two disciples was Andrew, the brother of Peter. And he goes and gets his brother, and his brother then is introduced to Jesus, and eventually becomes one of the closer disciples to Jesus, and is eventually the guy where Jesus says, through you I'm going to build my church. Because John's message was consistent. John's message was about Jesus, not John. And because he was sharing that, because Jesus was the hero, he made an impact that is impacting us here and now, because Peter helped develop the church. Instead of thinking that he was the hero in his own story, John knew that Jesus was the hero, even before he knew Jesus' name. So how can we learn to make Jesus the hero of our own stories? How can we learn to make Jesus the star of everything that we do? I think John gives us a great example here. John shows us these different things that I think if we can apply them to our own lives, we can begin to position ourselves beneath Jesus in a way that allows him to be the star, allows him to be the hero. First off, John recognizes who Jesus is, right? When Jesus comes, John declares him to be the son of God, the forgiver of sins. This is the same exact place where all of us need to start. In order for us to make Jesus the hero in our story, we have to start at the, at the very beginning of a relationship with Jesus. And that means recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus came to die on the cross so that we could have life, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God. We need to learn to recognize Jesus for who he is. When we can get to that place, whether it's for the first time or whether it's a recommitment, that's the beginning of us positioning Jesus to be the hero of our story instead of ourselves. Once we get to that place where we understand who Jesus is, the Son of God who came to take away our sins so that we could have life and we could experience a relationship with God, when we get to that place, the next thing that John does is he minimizes himself. He minimizes himself. When the Pharisees servants are asking him all of these questions his answer is always it's not me it's him it's not me it's him every single time he says i am not the christ i am not no his answers are always no because he's always pointing back to jesus we need to learn how to minimize ourselves and i tell you what that's hard that's really hard it's hard for us to think of ourselves less and jesus is more I find myself as I've been preparing for this all week, this idea of humbling ourselves is, is something that's pretty common within what we talk about in Christianity. But I realize that for me, this has been a battle like my whole life. There are so many little things in my life that I do because I want attention. I like attention. I want people to pay attention to me. I want people to recognize me. I want people to say, Hey, good job here. And even even more so I find that sometimes in personal conversations and in group settings especially. My introvertedness like, makes me go a little bit crazy on the inside. And so I start talking louder. Like That's my coping mechanism. I talk louder. And so sometimes when people are talking, I start to think, how can I tie to this and go a step further? Right? I'm that guy that nobody wants to be around, the one-upper. Right? Luckily, God has been working on me in this, so I don't do it as often as I once did. But this is one of those personal tensions that I think all of us experience in different ways. We all have this place where it's hard for us to minimize ourselves. We wanna maximize ourselves. It's hard for us to not allow ourselves to be the hero of the story. I used to work with this youth pastor who, he would say to the students, and it's always struck me as powerful, he would say, you know, everything good that comes from your life, everything good that you do, comes from Jesus, but, Everything bad that you do, everything negative, everything hurtful that you do, all the relationships that you crush, that's all you, baby. Man, when we can have that perspective, when we can understand where we are in relationship to Jesus, that the good of Jesus is what comes through us, and the bad is stuff we got to own up to, it helps us keep in perspective that he is above us, that Jesus is the hero of our story, not ourselves. When we learn to live that way then, we do the next thing that John does. And that is we lead other people into following Jesus. We lead other people into recognizing Jesus as the hero of the story instead of ourselves. Man, this is something we need to learn how to do. We need to be able to minimize ourselves enough that Jesus is the thing that people see whenever we talk about who he is, when we live our lives, when we go about the way in which we do things in our lives. I had a friend whose name was Joe. Um, Joe was a friend and a mentor and man, so much of my life was shaped by my experience with Joe. He passed away a few years ago from a brain tumor, Um, but Joe was this guy, he was a worship leader and an insanely talented musician. I mean, this guy had the capability of being something huge. In fact, Joe learned his chops by playing blues bars as like a 14-year-old kid. Like, that's how he learned how to play music, ended up going to school for music, and eventually ended up in ministry because what Joe realized was Jesus was the hero of his story. So instead of using his gifts to propel himself to something popular, he used his gifts to put Jesus front and center in his life. And so much of his life was based off of showing other people who Jesus was. I watched Joe go through some insane hardships in his life. I watched Joe go through crazy sickness with his family. I watched Joe go through amazingly hard times within his church contexts, where there was a lot of hurt and a lot of anger and a lot of all of this stuff. I watched Joe, even as he was struggling with his brain tumor, continue to point to Jesus every step along the way. Jesus was the hero of his life, and anyone who came in contact with him, man, they couldn't doubt it. Everybody knew Jesus was Joe's hero that made me ask the question who's the hero in my life who's the hero in your life when you walk around and you interact with people what would their answer be what would they say to you whenever they're asked a question who's that guy's hero who's that girl's hero We learn to recognize Jesus for who he is we learn to minimize ourselves it should lead other people to see Jesus through us and as we wrap things today as we prepare to close this service in worship I want you to kind of ask these questions of yourself who would other people say is the hero of your life I think some of us will have a hard time saying it's Jesus today I know I would I know there's plenty of people that would see me in my day-to-day life and go, he's a good guy, but is Jesus the hero? I don't know. Where do you need God to help you make him the hero of your life instead of yourself? Man, we live in a world that drives so much of the me, It drives so much of the narcissism and the self-interest and all the selfishness. We are told day in and day out the way in which you're successful is by lifting yourself up above other people. What area of your life today do you need to allow him to be the hero? In turn then, how can your life help other people see that Jesus is the hero of their lives as well? And this is a huge challenge for each of us. This is something that we all need to work through and wrestle through. Because if we do not have these priorities straight... All the other stuff we do at this time of year, the resolutions, the one word challenges, they will fall flat if we don't allow Jesus to be the one who drives the conversation. That's why everyone gives up by today. Because they don't have something bigger than themselves pushing them through. Make Jesus the hero of your story. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. And then the team's going to close us in one last song. Father God, we just, we come before you today recognizing that so often we put ourselves before you. Whether it's in the things that we do for work, whether it's the way we raise our family, whether it's just the friends that we keep, the hobbies that we do, all of these things. Too often, Lord, we recognize that we put you in the back seat and we make ourselves the hero. We lift ourselves up. Father God, I just pray that this morning, you reveal in our hearts and in our lives the way in which we have not allowed you to be the hero of everything we are. Father God, I just pray that today you don't allow this just to be a one-off thing where we go and we just go about our lives, but let us be transformed by what it is you have for us. Let us be changed so that we can make you the hero of every moment of our lives. Father God, we love you so much and we just want You to be the star of our lives. Help us to set ourselves aside.